Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, happy Monday, and welcome to the Indie Football Podcast. I am your host, your venerable host, Ed Malian, uh, sports editor of The Independent. I am joined for this Incredibly busy Monday by the chief sports writer of the Independent, also Miguel Delaney. Chief football writer. Chief football writer. Right, sorry. We, Johnny's just gone to Australia. We haven't. Uh, chief sports sorry. writer Jonathan Liu can't be with us today. He's <laughs> on a plane to Australia for the cricket, um, something Miguel is really looking forward to this winter. Um, how do you see the series going? Um, good, yeah. Yeah, no, I thought you were. I thought you were. And uh, so alongside Chief Football, uh, yeah, who is playing? It's a bit like the boat race. Yeah, uh, who, who qualified this year? Um, yeah, I think England and Australia both qualified for the Ashes again. Yeah. Uh, incredible record from That's the two amazing, teams. Isn't it? Yeah, no, it is. uh, accompanying uh, the Chief Football writer, uh, as he wants to be known, it's uh, our sports news editor Ben Burrows. Say hello. Hello. Um, and uh, also Matt Murphy, obviously producing, hasn't got a mic this week. Uh, Probably for the best. Don't want to. Don't want to. <laughs> Look, just a little chomp already. Uh, yes, as uh, as ever, we're coming up to uh, awards season. You may have noticed. I don't know if we've mentioned it several times, but uh, the Football Sports Federation Awards. So, if you're listening now, uh, you're probably capable of going to the website and voting for us as best podcast. It's category number six. And also, while you're there, you might as well vote for Johnny as uh, writer of the year because he's better than any of the other people on the shortlist, basically. So um, now we've got the housekeeping out of the way. I guess we should get to the football or not. Uh, in fact, we'll get to breaking news. Yep. Tony Pulis, sacked as manager of West Bromwich Albion. Um, I, I haven't got the quotes in front of me, but I'm going to say uh, he's very thankful to the club for its time and uh, the experience, and he wishes them best of luck in the future. Um, what can we take from this? So they got battered by Chelsea at the weekend, Migs. Um, was it 4-0? Four, 4-0, four nil? Four nil, yeah. And, you know, it kind of got on Ben's radar at the end of last week because I was saying this was a big story going into the weekend. And, and Friday, so Friday he warns the fans, you won't find someone better than me. Saturday, program notes, they were equally spiky, weren't they? They were, yeah. they were pretty punchy. Saturday gets battered by Chelsea. The fans turn on him. It feels inevitable this is going to happen. And then Monday morning it happens. So what does this tell us about West Brom? And to an extent, I guess, the state of mid-table teams in the Premier League, Miguel. Um, I mean, I was slightly surprised maybe that it took this long, given this has been, issue been gone for some time. There's been kind of some dis, well, disenchantment with people. But also... I suppose what really kind of rammed at home was last season. They got one that, you know, I know it feels like such a cliche and maybe it's such an easy thing to talk about, but it's such a relevant issue. That they got to the 40 points last year and then just dropped off. And it was just kind of, it just, just showed the lack of ambition there. Like, I mean, one thing I keep coming back to with, with this whole debate is, all right, money has distorted the game. The club's going to go to a certain level. But when you're watching football, when you're supporting a team, what, what you really want of it is at least the idea and the sign that this could be better, to have a bit of hope, a bit of excitement about it. And West Brom were almost, for the last year, maybe beyond that, were basically the opposite of this. And Ben, 11 without a win. 
So you can see, in a world where Pulis is supposed to be the results guy, as soon as you go 11 without a win and you're playing the sort of football that he plays, uh, you're always in trouble. I mean, the joke doing the rounds already this morning is that so team 17th, 10 without a win, who could possibly save in the best candidate out there is Tony Pulis. Well, it is. But for, I guess it's only from fans' point of view who actually in it, who they've been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks that they're just tired of this football. And from the outside, you might think, well, look, you're mid-table in the Premier League. 10 years ago, you were a yo-yo team and dreaming of this. But yeah, like Miguel says, at a certain point, What's the point? Yeah. You need to. You need more. You need to. Wait, I mean, you go to football for even if it's even you know whatever about all the stuff we're going to support on the side and all this and you know the devotion that it requires. You're still going to football as an escape. You don't want to. Is that a curse there? <laughs> <laughs> you don't. You don't want brutalist survival as your as your escape every week. Like that's not an escape. Uh, that's, I, there's enough of that. In... Having supported a Tony Pulis team at, at one stage, you know, I, he was really good uh, when he was at the club I support and and. He saved the club and he does what Tony Pulis does. But every club, every Premier League club he's been at, which is three now, Stoke Palace, West Brom, they've all got kind of sick of him, the yeah, fans. Yeah. you know, the, 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 Every single place, they do turn on him. And I do wonder now, because I think there is so much competition for eyeballs in the world now, mm. you know, with uh, Netflix and stuff. And, and sport is changing. How people consume sport is changing. And if you think about it like... Every sport is making more of an effort to turn yeah. it into an entertainment spectacle yeah. now. So, um, the like the NFL is kind of doing well in London when they come over because you've got the game, fine, the game's fine. But that's an all-day thing, basically. Yeah, yeah. 2020 yeah. cricket is kind of the new important form of cricket, certainly in terms of money, because, you know, yeah, they come and it's short and it's explosive and stuff. But really, you know, it's like cheerleaders, drinks. Mm -hmm. There's all the other stuff going on off the field that, that people are watching and, the new owners of Formula One said they want every race to be like a Super Bowl. Football needs to be entertainment as well. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you are watching a club, it's like, yeah, we're going to finish between 9th and 20th every season. We know that. You, yeah, all yeah. you want to do is survive relegation and be mildly entertained. And I think that that does influence clubs' thinkings. because, Like Crystal Palace chose Frank de Boer because they thought they were going to have this some mm. sort of attractive Dutch total football. Um you can understand why West Brom fans, if they're not getting the results and they are disappointed with the actual product, that they'd want something else. The question is, who comes next? And, and yeah. should I, they be concerned? Just on that, before we get to that, I think, there's, I think there's an interesting tangent there. How soon is it then? I mean, given, given what the, even the Premier League market itself has and how there's so much debate on whether the kind of boom can last and all that, or you know, well, particularly at home, maybe more so with broadcasters, whether it's worth their investment, how long will it be until clubs start making decisions based on that, not just in kind of on how many points they can win, but how many points they can win combined with, we have to put on a show because we're in the entertainment business. I guess to play devil's advocate, the club I support are no longer in the Premier League. So yeah, there'll be a lot of fans screaming, saying, we'd bite your arm off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Doing 10th and 15th in the Premier League every year and getting 40 points with five, six, seven yeah. games left. Well, we're really but, but it's, all, it's all relative. I mean, and that's like, also, I suppose it's like Anderton. Once you get, once nothing, you get to a point where nothing is changing, you just get fed up with it. And it's, it's, yeah, I suppose it's, it's kind of the, the Arsenal debate in, in, terms of, in terms of kind of Wenger's huge that it was always kind of fourth place or whatever. Um, uh, so it, it, it's all relative in that sense, I suppose. But if you're, if you're one of these mid-table clubs, and we were talking about this the other day um, with regards to Pulis, I think we were talking about Allardyce, and we're saying that there are several clubs who felt like they 
they'd outgrown Allardyce. Mm. Bolton being the obvious one, Bolton got to a point where they were like, oh, maybe he can't take us any further. In the same way that Stoke got to that with Pulis and, and Blackburn did that with Allardyce and uh, Newcastle and Allardyce just didn't really work. But West Ham kind of with Allardyce as well, you know, it's thinking you're too good for the, mm. this, this effective manager and what is the next thing up. Um, you've got to look at it, I guess, in a way that when you're a mid-table club, if you have a bad manager, he's going to get sacked. And if you have a good manager, he's probably going to get nicked off you. Mm. Um, so if you're left with anyone for any period of time, and I think we're seeing this with Mark Hughes at Stoke, and we had we yeah. had seen it with Pulis at West Brom, is like stability in the mid-table region really is like as bad as going backwards. That, said, that's yeah. how it's perceived, isn't it? Like yeah, you're not, yeah, yeah. You, you have to be seen to be progressing oh, more all the time. Yeah, yeah. But actually the owners, the owners a lot of the time, they they take the stability because yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the cash that you get every year yeah. for staying in the Premier League well, is absolutely yeah. bloody enormous. I mean, this is it. Like in terms of kind of given how volatile football is from a financial point of view, and how difficult you know, there's all these all this talk about how difficult it is to project and if you're trying to make money out of football or it's about whereas it's to, that kind of mid-table stability that is so dull for fans is probably perfect to, to a certain degree yeah. for anyone looking to the kind expenditure's of, low yeah. and the income is huge. This feels significant in that regard. West Brom, I suppose, over the last 10 years, five years, have been that team, the archetypal mid-table team. Hey, which Even safe. with Hodgson before. Even with Hodgson before. So the safe team, but never anything much more. So this feels particularly significant this time, that they have clearly feel that the backlash from the fans has had an impact and they want more. So, And if that's because of the new Chinese ownership... If you think about the money, the catalyst behind that, the money side, like the, the Chinese investors didn't get involved because they love West Brom in the same way that the American investors at Swansea and Palace didn't get involved because they love either of those clubs. Um, so they are guys. Basically, all of these investors are exactly that. They're investors who the people who have got involved because they want to see a return. You only see the return if you stay in the Premier League. So their sole interest is is staying in the Premier League. That's why you see the clubs that are in trouble routinely go out and spend money in January because it's like, well, it's worth betting thirty or forty mil. For the 160 to 20 million, uh, 160 to 200 million TV revenue we get if we stay up, uh, I guess we should quickly talk about mm. Pulis before we we go to talk about who West Brom might go next. You've got to assume he's he will get a Premier League job at some point. No problems, right? Well, yeah, and, and the next team is in any sort of difficulty. And thinking, mm, we could do kind of maybe a short take in terms of a bit of organisation, keep us in the division. He's the obvious candidate. Yeah, like, he, he's got to be. In, in fact, I don't I, th- I don't think it's actually. Uh, out of uh, right, it's it's not unrealistic. If, if Moyes say he has a difficult two three months at West West Ham, yeah, yeah. they're suddenly looking this this is going to go bad. We yeah. could go down. You get you get the Davids on the phone and you go, look, I want a big survival bonus. I'll come in for three months and mm. I'll give it my best. And and that's probably going to be more like more mm. appetising than whatever Moyes has to offer yeah, yeah. based on what we've seen so far. Uh, so you know if you had to. If you had to, I mean, uh, I don't know if we're allowed to talk about betting on that. We're allowed to talk about betting. If you had to, yeah, you're okay, fine. Yeah, it's a free world. If you had to, <laughs> if you had to bet, is Tony Pulis in charge of a Premier League club by the end of this season? Yes, I would say You'd so. You'd say oh, yes. So more likely than not. Of course, yeah. the thing that's hanging out there is the Wales job. And it's whether he thinks he's, he wants some time away from mm. the day to day. I mean, it's interesting it's because... he fits for, you think. By being Welsh. By being Welsh, but also the pragmatic style, yeah. perhaps, with the one-star player. He, he, he'd probably smash up international football. I, I think you know? so. <laughs> he'd be one of the best I, managers I, I, in I, 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 was, I was just about to say that, I think, because he'd give you that kind of basic level of organisation that a lot of international teams lack. And then when you have that on a star like Bale on top of that, if, if he's fit, of course. He'd uh, play him left-back. <laughs> but uh, the, honestly, the problem is, the problem is, actually, if you look at 
um, Pulis as an international manager. We always complain because like you go to these tournaments and then all the the rubbish teams basically just set up four four two and kind of like or like five four one and, like and try it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, like the, the minor nations like Ireland, and they try and um, just block out the, the good teams. Wales at any tournament under Pulis would be dreadfully unwatchable. But <laughs> but Bale's heading home like two free kicks a game. Yeah, and then they're probably going to be quite now, good. The one thing, actually, to be fair, that that season when Palace stayed up when he kind of twenty thirteen fourteen. They were occasionally actually good to watch. Um, they were great to Palace. watch. Yeah. Well, let's, let's not go mad. Um, <laughs> because they, they actually they had pace in the break. They, uh, when, uh, I know this is an extreme example, but I was at that Liverpool to treat the famous Chris Dan Bull game. Yeah, and like, they were actually exhilarating that, <laughs> that match. That was e- one of the best Premier the... League games I've ever seen. Yeah. Just in terms of... Uh, it, it was exactly that. It was exciting football. It was Liverpool... I mean, no, Liverpool still can't defend, so it's, it's funny four years on. Mm. But you just couldn't... Deal with it, you know. It's it was Zaha and Dwight Gale and yeah, yeah. and Balassi, yeah, and and these guys. So like you have seen it with Pulis, where he can have good players doing good and, things. And like we said, the clubs and to a lesser extent, perhaps the players get bored of Pulis and what he delivers. That impact might be lessened on an international yeah, stage yeah. where it's the contact time is so much less. So you might be just more get in, get yeah. out. And You're kind of selling me on Wales, but yeah. I, think, yeah. <laughs> I don't I, think it's I, a good idea. I, in terms of his effectiveness, actually, there's this whole debate in Ireland now about whether O'Neill should go and all this um, and whether he's done much. And O'Neill's main strength is basically motivation and kind of coming in today, but there's a lot of criticism now because they don't do anything on team shape. Now, Ireland have had a relative success with their quality of players without that kind of work on team shape and that kind mm-hmm. of ultra-organisation. So what could Pulis do with that? Because I think he'd bring them the similar level of motivation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and then, it's a and similar thing to Allardyce, who was linked with the Scotland job mm. and the US job, which are, just from a pure like, outside point of view, it'd be fascinating to see, if, in, in similar way to Pulis, if mm. his style would translate to international football. Yeah. But also, if you just look at some of the clowns in charge of some of these international teams. Like, genuinely, like, well, Pulis... Got, uh, got candy well, Yeah, good, good. The worst, like, one of the worst coaches I've ever seen. But the Pulis and Allardyce in yeah. actual international football, no, no, yeah, I, yeah. I really think they'd be good. Yeah, you know, you could chuck them anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as long as you, know, like, you know, don't want to give Allardyce to a team that doesn't speak English because you know it seems like it's going to be problematic. But <laughs> USA, I mean, I, the USA job, I think, won't be defined for something like six months because they've got presidential elections, mm-hmm. and you can almost bank on them to choose the complete wrong candidate anyway. Yeah. But Allardyce at Scotland and Pulis with Wales would be really interesting, in the way that like Gordon Strachan Scotland was not. And and Chris Coleman, actually, we should mention Chris Coleman took the Sunderland job on Friday night. Um, I discussed this with you, Ben, when got the phone call. I I don't think, I don't think Sunderland is a club you want to go into right now. Well, I've been told um, by some connected that previous when they were when they were talking to people, um, previous potential candidates, there was all sort of stipulations that and some candidates were worried about the exact direction of the club because of the amount of kind of clauses involved. So it's interesting that they've actually convinced Coleman. Something with short ownership hanging yeah. over, it makes things problematic because if they do get a new owner, do they want a new manager straight away? Mm. Yeah, I think that's why, personally, I mean, apart from the fact Seems like a risk. You, how many clubs you, have we seen that take the double drop, you know? Like, mm. you're, you know, your boys, you've seen... Um, you look at that Sunderland team and it's... Did you see Sunderland Millwall the goals this weekend? Absolutely dreadful. Dreadful yeah. goalkeeping. Dreadful All four goals. goals. One of the worst goalkeeping games I've ever seen. Uh, you absolutely have to check it out if you haven't. I'm sure it's uh, legally available on social media. Um, <laughs> but Sunderland are a club that are in relegation trouble. They are for sale. They have no real definite future. And Chris Coleman, is, he obviously wants a club job. 
He obviously mm. wants a club job, but he's decided that that's the best for his prospects. I just don't I understand know, yeah. it. And especially, it feels like stock will never be higher as it is now. Well, actually, you know what? I suppose had he left after Euro 2016. But I think he realised he couldn't get a Premier League job because he certainly tried. Um, so then you've got to look at, like, so what am I looking at? And, and in that, the championship, they are at least one of the, notionally one of the richer clubs, bigger clubs in the championship, even if they're underperforming. Maybe you want mm. to overtake an underperforming yeah. club because if you could just get them back to their actual natural level, that's going to be the top of the champo or the bottom of the Premier League, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is interesting, actually, how Premier League club went from, given sort of there was so much debate about it. And I do think it just shows that, basically, I know Welsh fans don't like this being said, but because it, because he had bail, it just kind of colour everything else about the job. Like, you, you don't know. And because don't, I don't think we do know how yeah. good he actually is. He qualified for one twenty four team Euros. Mm. Precisely. I, I, so. I, he was linked, I mean, he was linked with Palace a bunch. I'd, I'd never wanted him to get the Palace job. I just don't... I don't think he's shown enough in management, really, yet. Yeah. To so I think it's a risk for both sides. I think it's arguably a bigger risk for him, just because of where he's going into. Mm. And you look at the succession of managers Sunderland have had, and managers with a better track record than him have failed. So what what makes him think he's different, or that the club environment now is different when they're at this lowest? In there? my experience, players do like him, which is I think you know as long as it's stupid. It still is mm. something that's important that's because factor, yeah. you you have to have the players liking you and, and listening to you and stuff. And the um, the thing with him is, it's like okay, you go into Sunderland, but it could be one of those situations where the players are also scarred and like they don't care about the situation, mm. they don't care about the club, they don't care about whatever. You know, you've seen that with relegated teams where you've got players who are just there picking up, yeah, yeah, basically hangover Premier League wages of eighty grand a week, and they don't really want to be playing Millwall on yeah, a Saturday yeah. in front of a half-empty stadium of light. And they don't want to go to Burton Albion away because it's a, you know, it's not what they thought they should be doing. Mm. It's not what they signed up for. They signed up for away days at Old Trafford. Um, so I think we've probably excessively covered the, uh, the manager situation, especially when we've got uh, Saturday, the North London derby, to talk about. Miguel, you were there. Yep. Um, we both watched it, Ben and I, and it was, uh, fair to say, a surprise. Yeah, um... I think you have to give Arsenal and Wenger a lot of credit. Um, I remember when I saw that team, and it was it was Arsenal's best available eleven. To be fair, but you think, but your best available eleven isn't necessarily your best eleven for any specific game. No, no, but it's fair to say though. We thought that at the time. Yeah. I mean, having Mustafi back, actually, yeah, yeah, you know, he can be a bit soft at times, but I think he is still in their best eleven. Yeah, but that was it. So he didn't have a defence midfielder, really, which Ramsey was kind of in that role. And uh, I asked Wenger about it afterwards, and he goes, "Yeah, what well, changed? Our, our, our strikers, our front three." pressed very high I mean because they didn't let Spurs out and it was, given that there's so much has been, has been made of how Spurs kind of impose their will on games just how you know solid this team is it was really conspicuous to see them kind of fail to live with Arsenal's tenacity they were, they were pretty meek on Saturday Spurs dreadful first half yeah. I thought uh, the way they couldn't get out I mean, it's easy to mm. point to I mean Kane and Ali were nowhere near fit I mean, mm. fair, fair to say but it, it's not just on that. I mean, it's up their two best players, but Ericsson wasn't at it. Yeah, and yeah. They couldn't get their foot on the ball in the middle. We, we said that they missed a, someone like Harry Winks, just someone to settle the game yeah. down and get to get out because they were, at the start of the game, first 20, 30 minutes, they were just lumping the ball out and then just coming back at them. With, with someone like Ericsson, actually, I wonder, I mean, is, is that is almost kind of a hangover inevitable after what he did on, on the Tuesday? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Maybe, but... Or is it... You, I, would, I would almost say that kind of a game like that is actually the best one to get you straight back into it. Especially given the form he's been in. Yeah, I mean, yeah. De Bruyne aside, best player in the league mm. so far this season. Yeah, that, so it's was surprising to see him have so little impact on the game. I thought Davidson Sanchez was really good. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, it's weird that a centre back on a losing team would, would play that well, but he really, you know, they just weren't themselves. Like, you don't really often see Spurs pressed into action defensively that much. And they couldn't, you know, they were basically, I mean, we've all been in this situation like Sunday League where you're just booting the ball clear and it's just coming back at you yeah, and you yeah. can't that, do anything that, that about it. Yeah, you know, yeah. and, and there was a period between like the 20th and 35th minute mm. where they just could not get the ball mm. out of their half and Arsenal had them penned in. And it was actually pretty impressive because you haven't seen Arsenal dominate yeah, because yeah. that's what they were doing was dominating they were dominating a good team yeah 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 an actually good team um you know and and to be fair spurs for all their good results this season didn't really turn up in a big game and mm. you got what's it there is an issue with spurs they haven't yet won when the pressure's really been on has it played 17 pochettino's away games against fellow top mm. four is it top six clubs so played 17 one one yeah that is an issue if you're trying to gate crash the actual title picture yeah yeah completely yeah um but you can probably already this year i say it just rule them out you know city mm, looks so good and, yeah, and yeah. they've already i, I, I would i would have thought they were they were going to be uh city's best challengers actually because but, but united defeat you can say oh they didn't have kane mm-hmm. and, and I, I do think that's a fair thing to point I, to that was a but, what, of... but what's the excuse this time yeah. what is the excuse this time yeah, no they, sh- they should be going to are uh, they, they should have been going to arsenal and imposing themselves in that game because i think Despite some of the debate over the weekend, they are objectively a better team than Arsenal right now. They're going to work better, uh, probably have a better first eleven, um, and they should. What about the combined eleven, Miguel? Because that's <laughs> that's what everyone wants to talk about. What, what about the combined eleven? Yeah. Um, what do you feel about like combined eleven? Should we do it for the fun, actually? Well, you know, <laughs> you know what we did. <laughs> we, we, we didn't, in, we didn't do it? combined elevens because mm. I I don't know really what they add no, to no, to any they're... pre-game coverage. Uh, it's an entirely arbitrary and, and pointless thing. Yeah. Uh, Especially, you know, when you when you when you are in the in the stage you're picking them, and you're kind of, well, I have to go four three three here, but that player doesn't play there, but I have to get him in. Like, so yeah. that's all. He doesn't play there for that team, so it's, it's, it becomes so pointless. And and the fallout, obviously, from uh, one news outlet doing that, ends up with with Arsenal tweeting to their 12 million followers, uh, essentially inviting them to harass uh, the guy that had written it. Pretty bad look for for everyone. Probably shouldn't dwell on it, um, but yeah, be better at stuff. Arsenal <laughs> was my advice. Um, I thought really for Pochettino, if if that's going to be the sort of big game performance in in the Premier League, they're really going to have to focus on the FA Cup and Champions League now. Given he's, what he said about the FA Cup, Pochettino, mm. so it's what Champions League or bust for Spurs. And, and for all the you know Arsenal fans get annoyed with Spurs being praised, all this 
kind of all the time, basically. But Spurs really are going to do it again, where they might finish like third, get knocked out in the round of 16, no, get you, knocked out in the FA Cup, and then it's another season where they, they don't yeah. win anything. To be, fa- to be fair, they do tend to go, or they have in the last two, three seasons, gone on a huge post-Christmas run under Pochettino, so that could change things a little yeah, bit. It's interesting well. to point out that people who doubted their title credentials this year it was because of Wembley and because it was yeah. playing at home. And this is obviously an away game where the Emirates has hardly been a fortress at the time. They've, they've got a good record there, but it's not an imposing place to be. And it was interesting, to, certainly what we've seen is lunchtime games on a Saturday, Arsenal going away to a big team hmm. and getting blown away. And it was the exact opposite. They started the season Tottenham slow, Spurs, though. It's true. If they hadn't started the season that slow with that ludicrous, that weird thing where Kane didn't score to Yeah, yeah, and then the Burnley you know, they, they just, sort of they've, they've just cost themselves points yeah. at the start of the year. And, yeah, and it's particularly costly for them because they are kind of fighting the tide in the sense that just they can't spend what the, what the bigger sides spend. So they need to kind of maximise every element. So then they're going to slip up like that. Every, basically, my thing with Tottenham is that I don't think it's sustainable given their, their wage bill and stuff like yeah. that. You know, I think they're doing great. And as long as Poch is there and Kane is there and stuff, everyone is, it looks willing to buy in. You know, the fact that you've got Deli Ali potentially willing to mm. sign a new contract there on well below his market value mm. wage-wise is, is important. You do feel, though, at that their window is closing. Well, precisely. This is, it's, they had, they've had two seasons where they were so close to almost touching it and not getting it. And then this season... But this season's right. a write-off then. So this season, they're not going to challenge. You know, they might, they might do well in a cup. Um, hmm. I guess best-case scenario, well, best-case scenario, you win the Champions League, but really unlikely. So you, you get to the quarters or semis of the Champions League and you win the FA Cup, finish second or third. That is now kind of the realistic best-case scenario yeah, for Spurs, yeah, yeah. we agree. So it is a waste because you do feel like this is a team that over the last few years but could have won the Premier I, League or might, yeah. you know, it might do it. Maybe next, next season could be literally their last chance they, to they do it. They don't want to get into a chance of always next season either, right, into a situation. But actually on that, because that, Pochettino and Danny Rose is interesting because he did, I, I, was, in, I was in Wenger's Mondays, it was Jack Pipbrook in, in Pochettino's Mondays and um, I think there was maybe, he didn't look like some of the, the Danny Rose questions. But, I mean... So what, what did he like? I, I missed this kind of little Danny Rose drama. What? Basically, like, I mean, there was some suggestion. Now, uh, to be fair, I think Spurs and Pochettino were, 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 they were correct that Pochettino was injured. It, was, it wasn't just a decision to drop him. Rose was injured. Uh, sorry, uh, Rose yeah. was injured, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, w- w- I think what's more relevant here is that uh, people now are wondering whether, and Rose himself is thinking he could be sold, apparently, according to those close to him. But people are wondering whether... Because of what Rose said in the summer about transfers, whether he's going to be yet another player to cross posh and you know not, not see a future at the club, I mean that, that that that's another affair for you now. But I think Posh is probably right in that he has to kind of take take a line here. But yet it doesn't mean that what Rose said was was incorrect. And I think there is a he he did kind of pinpoint what the issue for Spurs is, uh, which is. Basically, they're, they're overperforming to, over-performing to such an extent that it's unsustainable. Players who want better wages, better contracts. Um, and it's, it's like, I suppose, Rafa Benitez's famous uh, comment about the blanket, either covering, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. covering your legs or your, or, or, or your head. But ultimately, they don't have the resources to, to finance this. No, it, it does expose, us, say, the, the limitations of, of overperforming. Uh, I guess, is there anything, any other points you want to make about the, the North London derby? Do you think we've covered it all? I think Benga's approach is particularly interesting. We've seen in away games where they've gone to try and stifle other teams, particularly at Chelsea at the bridge earlier this season. He chose Alex Awobi and Danny Welbeck. The fact that he went for that attacking front three with Sanchez, Ozil and Lacazette, who is 
best three attacking players. And Ozil so excelled. I thought it was an interesting that that, that worked for him, really. It, it and the pressing to, as well. Yeah. And the pressing, yeah. It seemed to be beforehand. You look at the lineups and they just, you're inviting Tottenham onto you to just wave after wave. But it didn't play out that way. And I think Ozil was excellent. He always has the, in his defence, the 12, 13 kilometres he runs. But he, was, he ran the game on uh, Saturday, which is, it was great to see a player who everyone knows has got that ability. He's won everything there is to win. Um, on ability, that is their best front three, right? Yeah, precisely. But it was, I mean... Uh, Held on the Champions League. True. <laughs> what? Yeah, I was winning everything there is to win. Oh, yeah, well, you know. Yeah, but at, at some point, uh, he will, probably with Man United next season. But uh, <laughs> I, if, if we've done North London derby, uh, just built, there's a couple of other games. Man City again... Did you see the goals from that? Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, absurd team. Well, the other side of that as well is every time you think there's going to be a tricky kind of hurdle for City, they just walk all over it. Yeah, yeah. Kevin De Bruyne, get well, out yeah, of my the, face. The, what the, a guy. The parallels with the same game last season where it was yeah. the I'm not a coach who coaches tackles and then they go there again and they're the exact same position they are in. Yeah. Though Stonesy's out. John, John Stone's, Stones injured for a four time. Six weeks. So Six weeks, we might see Big Elia Kim mm. getting a good run out over well, the festive period. What what is interesting about all this though as well? I mean, are not, like, I wonder what it feels like to actually be playing that team right now. Just kind of, like, they're playing so well. You back like, yourself, even yeah. at, at like if you're playing left back in that team, what, how many assists do you get if you yeah. play the next four games? You're well, pro- probably in Delft's managing to play left. Back, yeah, which yeah. Is, as remarkable as anything else. Uh, like it's the sort of thing I think like if I'm playing up front even with my lack of ability and feet, I'm probably <laughs> getting four to eight goals over the rest <laughs> I mean, of the season. I think it is interesting if you look at the corresponding game last season, they went and that was almost an idea of the whole Guardiola first season was going to Leicester, to a t- Leicester team that was hopeless at that point in time. And they got played off the park. Yeah, they got picked and off. They, yeah. And they go back there this time at Guardiola's highest point and they've just, just rolled them over yeah. again. It's the machine that just keeps on going. You really can't see. I mean, they will lose a game, you'd think, at some point, but you can't pick one out Yeah, where they give me anything other than two, three, four goal winners. Yeah. As a Palace fan, how do you feel about the way they have taken your song for their Guardiola chance? Yeah, whatever. You know, they, like, I'd be happy if I was winning the league as well. So, you know, it's just... Would you be glad all over? Uh, yes, I would. I would. Uh, currently not, because Palace threw away the lead twice against Everton in a game they should have won. Uh, never a penalty for the first goal and the second uh, was just dreadful defending we'll go over that Liverpool 3 Southampton nil. Uh, Salah two goals good player good player fast <laughs> very fast uh, Southampton yeah Southampton's <laughs> sneaky bad as well a team that kind of people forget but uh, Pellegrino's kind of been up and down um, recently uh, Johnny went down and met him exclusive interview with Pellegrino, if you want to read that on the website, you know, Google is your friend. Pellegrino managed them or, or what was it? Or did he they play played play? against the Southampton staff as okay. a team, yeah. But it sounds like it was a fun day. Um, Man United 4, Newcastle 1. Um, I didn't actually see this one, Miguel, so it's over to you. Yes, um, Pogba made a huge difference to United. He was brilliant. Uh, and just and by extension, then the team was brilliant. Just because they just had much more dimension to their play. Um, there was just so much more ambition and creativity about them. And uh, Zlatan's back yeah. in the mix. Yeah. How do we feel about this? Uh, I think Talk is he might play number 10. Is this is this going to be a thing, do we think? I do, because Mourinho has struggled with that uh, a little bit. I mean, Mkhitaryan's Mkhitaryan yeah. struggled a lot of late. Then you, you do still wonder about whether he completely trusts Matter, given he's only just put him into the team now because... Do Mkhitaryan. you trust Zlatan to do the defensive work that Jose wants? Or is this the one example where Jose would just be like, I'm not expecting you to do the mm. defensive work because you're such a 
concerned for the other team, that yeah, they're yeah. going to be more worried about you than you are about them. Possibly, Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm just I'm just spitballing. It just seems to me that if you're not playing him up front, then I don't see how he's ever doing yeah, the work. It's going to be interesting to see how he uses him because I mean Pogba was great in that zone at the weekend, and you fear that perhaps Latan coming back to get the ball might interfere with hmm. how well how well Pogba can do that as well. And Pogba is your best player, as he showed at the weekend. You should play to his strengths rather than Latan's. Yeah. And. Um, I guess the Sunday game, the only thing that needs to be said, David Moyes' factory of sadness. <laughs> well, even w- once again, after the game, just, just some of his comments are just... It's a conveyor belt of misery, isn't it? <laughs> just, <laughs> wow. I mean, Watford, Watford again, Marco Silva, the guy's doing an incredible job. But, you know, you must love it when David Moyes is coming to town on a Sunday afternoon. I mean, the fact that, All their, the fans, had nice the, the fact that their fans are being told to not ring 999 to complain about how bad their team is. Well, idiocy as well. It, well. it also speaks to that as well, Yeah, yeah. I think we've got one of the, the Moyes quotes here somewhere. thought it was a big job. There are some players with big reputations who disappointed me a little bit, and I thought, you'll show me more and you'll show me a little bit if you play in the team regularly. But today was really the first game I had a chance to see them play. They didn't. They need to show that if this is their reputation, why have they got it? Like, like it's, it's well, they got the reputation because the guys who just hired you overpaid for these players because they were offered them. That's it. I mean, that's <laughs> literally turn, it. To turn on your players after 90 minutes is... <laughs> Not a great look and doesn't bode well for. I think he probably Tony views this as like arrival in April. The hard line, like I'm going to get into him early. Yeah. It's like they all hate you. So like, <laughs> why are you doing this? But anyway, uh, before I besmirch uh, the poor man anymore, I will uh, depart. I would like to thank uh, Miguel for his time coming in today. Yeah. Um, we'll see you next week. Yes, we will actually before you, I go to Russia. Yes, uh, World Cup draw. So we'll have a big World Cup draw pre-chat next can you week. Can we preview a draw? Can we preview an administrative function? Mm. You bet we can. <laughs> uh, ben, uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, a rare yeah. appearance, but a golden one. Uh, and thank you to producer Matt Murphy. Thank you to our friends at Acast. Thank you to Apple. Thank you uh, to the Lord. Thank you to the Met Office. And uh, we'll be with you next week. Mm.